0: If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts and raise rates. No Republican is ever going to do that.
1: Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives.
2: Republicans are going to retake both the House
1: and Senate. A liberal MSNBC hosts warning Democrats about the potential for
3: a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front?
1: Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race. For Republican Glenn Youngkin.
3: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny.
4: We'll preserve
2: for our
1: children. Listen to that fucking guy. I mean, are you kidding me? Chuck Schumer, the majority leader of the United States Senate, unfortunately, has now proclaimed that the only way, the only way, quote unquote, the only way to deal with inflation is to raise taxes on America.
0: I'm just glad they really admitted it. You know, I mean, like, that's the Democrats' plan. It's either skyrocket inflation or raising your taxes. Those are your options. That's a hell of a midterm message. <laughs> that's always their option.
4: That's the only thing Democrats want to propose.
2: Yeah, yeah, They're like, everyone always calls us tax and spend liberals, so let's do it, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it truly is remarkable. I mean, I think for a second when you've got... Every American across the country, regardless of your income, paying eight and a half percent more for everyday goods and services, and your your one driving policy measure to try to counter that is like even more. No, <laughs> you got to give the government more, as if you're not in that problem because of the right. government spending right. more. Yeah, right. I mean, wow. This is just it's uh, wow. Fifty-two
0: hundred
4: Bloomberg study. $5,200 a year is what every average family will be paying in inflation. They want to add higher taxes on top of that.
1: Incredible. I mean, every single candidate across the country should have that on the loop. Right. Right? I mean, there is no voter where that would make sense to. Oh, I got it. Let's make se- You know, the funny thing is I bet that he thinks that works because he lives in that cocooned world where they've they've branded it themselves. Anything Trump is negative. hmm Right? Right? So like nobody can do the math on the tax increase that they're ultimately going to because they hear Trump. Well, all, That's how dumb he thinks people are. It is
0: so are. dumb. It is so. Hey guys, I got an idea for high prices, high taxes. Well, it's also it also seems like he's trying to win some sort of DC bubble process argument that he thinks that the D.C. press corps will write, which is that if only these Republicans would work together with the Democrats and oh, yeah. figure a way out of inflation, right? They won't that's, do that. They won't do that. They, won't, they wouldn't raise taxes, and so it's impossible. Inflation's actually their fault, not us, the people with unified control of all of Congress and the White House.
1: Just absolutely it's a great observation. Just incredible. All right, well, welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. I'm Josh Holmes with Comfortably Smug, Michael Duncan, and John Ashbrook coming at you. Uh, Jeez, right off the bat, Smug's, all of a sudden, Smug Smug's gets phone. A, a phone call. You mind putting that on silent while yeah, we do the program mad. here, pal? <laughs> we yeah. have a great guest today, by the way. We have very great guests. Just met her today, Tiffany Smiley. She's running for Senate in the great state of Washington. Typically not a place where you see Republicans that are competing but I got to be honest with you, she's giving Patty Murray all she can handle
4: Man, over there. we're all rooting for her. And the last thing Patty Murray ever thought she would have to do is run for re-election in a serious way. And right now it seems like she's, she's running for her life, thanks to Smiley.
1: Yeah, I mean, Smiley's outraising her. And the contrast is so amazing, right? I mean, Patty Murray's most dour, negative sort of establishment, nothing in the Senate, maybe in all of Congress. Right. And Tiffany Smiley is just like this bright sunshine light who has dedicated her life to some incredible causes that I can't wait for you guys to hear about. Um, Great interview. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. We also have a really exciting new partnership. We've been really excited about this for a long time.
2: It's been incredibly, incredibly difficult for me not to talk about this. Yeah. Until now, it's finally finally ready. Like, this is a dream, honestly. It, a, a
1: total <laughs> dream. So you know how we like to bet on
2: stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Right. And in many ways, for those of you who've gone to Ruthless Lives and, and whatnot, you know the origins of Ruthless and in and, and many ways can be tracked back from us quarantined during COVID betting on horses. On horse races, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was
2: like the Friday like ritual is we're all gonna crack beers, get on Zoom and bet on the ponies.
1: Right. Right. So we like to bet on stuff. And what better to fuse betting on stuff and politics than predict it? Yes predict
4: it. What a terrific website. It's just a brilliant idea uh, that they've come up with. And a lot of people who are listening to this show, I think, are already participating in the fun.
1: You're probably already participating. If you're not, we're going to give you a very good reason to begin participating. Basically, what this outfit does is it makes markets for you all to wager on in the world of politics, right? So... If you want to bet on an election, for example, you can bet on an election. You can pick one candidate or another. You can buy in at a certain price. Right. And then, you know, if that, like, for example, uh, if you wanted to bet on any of these primaries that are coming up, there's a bunch of Republican primaries. You've heard them all here on the Ruthless Variety Program. You've heard every one of these people. And if you think one candidate stood out more than the rest and you think you have what it takes to sort of beat the experts— you go to Predict It and you sign up and you're able to actually take that bet and do it.
0: What I love about Predict It is it's not just those sort of bets that you would think who's gonna win this race, right? Right. They also offer what you would consider like in the gambling world like a like a, a prop bet. Oh, right? yeah. Like I know I love nothing more than betting on, you know, like a football game or something, and then also betting like how many catches is somebody going to have? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's just a fun way of like adding another wrinkle into it for you to enjoy and predicted has a lot of those. I mean, you can, you can um, wager in on Biden's five thirty eight approval on April 27th. You know, you can, um, I'll give congressional ballot lead, you know, like all sorts of like prop bets that aren't just simple bets.
2: So I know a lot of folks who, who, the, the ones who follow me on Twitter know basically my election night is I just go ham on predicted. Um That's 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 my ritual. So uh, folks might remember like the night Yunkin got elected. I mean, we had we were recording an episode and throughout the day we were all just like, where's the market at? Where's the market? Who's yeah. jumping in more? Who's right. going more in? And m- my biggest regret is so. So front of the program, Elliot, true predicted kingpin, just like I mean, I don't even know how much he made election night because he not only bet Yunkin would win, he bet on every Republican up and down the ticket. He bet on margins of victory and just, I mean, it's, well, I he bet, got in super cheap. But for cheap, those okay. of
1: when you're really into this stuff, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I, I was, I got into this on, I've gotten this years ago, but during the Yunkin election, I mean Yonkin at the end was surging and predicted, so it was more expensive to buy into this deal. Yeah, yeah. So I started looking for undercard stuff. Winsome Sears. And I oh, found yeah. Winsome Sears. She was like, you could buy shares of Winsome Sears for like twenty cents, and Yonkin was selling for like 56. Dude,
0: like on election day. On election day, it was day.
1: free money, and then yeah. you
2: just make five times your money. Yes. in an hour,
4: totally. Oh so God. the the other the other thing I love about it, I love the prop bets. I love that it's on politics. But the other thing I love about it is you don't need to commit a lot of money. Yeah, you can commit like a reasonable amount of money. You don't need to. You don't need to blow oh, yeah. the budget out. Yeah, and I th- and here on the Ruthless Variety program, we have a we have an offering to people who want to who want to try it out.
1: A very special offer. Now remember, this is for those who are eighteen and older. We want to play by the rules. But if you go to predictit.org slash promo slash Ruthless20. Let me say that one more time. Predictit.org slash Promo slash Ruthless20. They will match up to $20 of whatever you put into that account. When you open that account, they will match up to 20 bucks. Now, you can't take it out right away, obviously. But you can use that 20 bucks in addition to whatever you put in to start making these these trades.
4: And if you're the kind of person that, that goes to the horse track bets horses online and you're doing one or two dollar bets this is the thing for you because the reality is you can participate you can watch it you can see things happen and you don't need to commit your child's college education fund (laughs) to do it
1: right it's also it's also makes election night unbelievably fun very fun right because if you have the ballot question and then you got a few of those prop bets yeah. that Duncan was talking about. You're watching all the numbers and you're living this stuff, right? You might as well be the political strategist because you're watching like crosstown. And you,
0: and you don't have to wait for election day, right? Like, I mean, part of the, the, I think the intrigue of predict it is like riding a market a little bit, right? Like yeah. if you think a market's going to go one direction and you want to like, you know, get a little payday there. You get into the market. You don't have to wait all the way to election day. Maybe you're just looking for a little a little day trading, right? Just take it up a notch. Take it up a notch. Yeah. You know, make a little little coin. Get out of the market. Go somewhere
1: else. Or as Smug likes to do the old pump and dump. The
0: old
2: pump <laughs> <The> <laughs> and dump.
4: And there's, there's no better feeling than winning a little bit and texting your friends and telling them about your exploits. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and also, I think another bonus... For, for folks like us, you know, who listen to this podcast, who have, a, who have a real interest in politics, is you're very much ahead of the curve on what, you know, the general public, when, when information gets filtered out and becomes consensus. Because, like, I remember the Andrew Cuomo thing, when it became super clear he was going to go, I was like, okay, I'm going to throw in 50 bucks, that he's going to resign his governorship, and I got 5x on that. I mean, this was, like, weeks before he resigned. When it was clear... He's absolutely going to go. I was like, oh, well, 50 bucks. Let's see what
1: happens. Totally. And, and the other thing is if you listen to the Ruthless Variety Program, I'm not saying you get inside information. I'm just telling you. Yeah, what we're talking right? about here is not irrelevant.
0: Not irrelevant. And as you can tell if you're listening to this, that we are real users of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is not, this is not really an ad read. Yeah. No, Ruth this is was like,
2: <laughs> describe what, what Ruth, uh, describe what predicted is. And we're all like, so we're very much addicted.
1: to <laughs> <predicted>. <laughs> So the best, and I'll remember this one time I remember we got pretty good, particularly Ashbrook and I, when we were working in the Senate of, of counting votes, like we kind of knew where things were going to come down. And this was a few years that maybe after we got out of the Senate, and we still had sort of all the members understood. And there was a, a market that was on predict it for a certain vote. Do you, I don't even really remember what the vote was. It was a Supreme Court vote. Was it a Supreme Court vote?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, all I know is that we had it absolutely nailed. We knew before it even before people had announced exactly what that number was going to be, and so we went big on that number on the
0: exact number
1: on the exact number. How many
0: votes it would be? Yeah.
1: And a member was absent.
0: Yeah, at the last oh, minute. Oh my god! At the last so minute. So <laughs> minute. Oh my god! So we lost.
1: We lost. A member was <laughs> absent. We lost. I'm not going to say who that member was, but I'll never ever think of them the same after that.
4: Amazing. <laughs> but I mean, you mentioned the Cuomo the Cuomo resignation. Yeah. I picked. I, I I made a bet that Cuomo would resign by May, which he didn't do. So I I lost like 20, 30 bucks, something like that, uh, because I picked it wrong. But it's just. It's so much fun. It's great. To be able to just watch. And and like
2: you said, it's so it can be as low stakes or high stakes as you want. Like if there's some crazy ass long shot and you just throw in (laughs) ten bucks and you're like, oh well. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, I remember
1: betting big on Todd Young when he was down twenty five in that Indiana Senate race against Evan Bay now look at me, he's Rambo. Man, I made a boatload on that situation. <laughs> so anyway, this is, it's predict it, predict it, all one word.org slash promo, slash Ruthless20. You're going to get your 20 bucks in. You put your 20 bucks in. You get 20 extra dollars. It Believe me, it is worth your time. You ought to do it.
2: It's just like, that's straight up free money. You're all very welcome. Yeah, you're all
1: very <laughs> welcome. Don't say we've never done anything yeah. for you. Uh, Let's read some five stars, shall we, fellas? Sure. Michael, you want to take the first one?
0: Sure thing. Uh, Northern Virginia Dissident says that we are the modern-day Radio Free Europe. Oh, yeah. Living in Northern Virginia, I have at times felt isolated on the wrong side of the Iron Curtain of Lib Condescension. Yes. This (laughs) podcast is the modern-day equivalent of Radio Free Europe programming. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Giving us a glimpse of the fun and freedom beyond the curtain and what someday could be for us here. As a parent of a seven-year-old, I have been especially incensed by the dismissive attitude of liberals towards the role of parents on issues like CRT and sex education. Mm -hmm. If they had their way, parents would have no role. They probably think that the ending of The Pied Piper was a happy
2: ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) That's like their agenda.
0: (laughs) Uh, I await the woke Disney remake, which... We'll have the West Wing theme play as the last child disappears into the cave after the piper.
2: <laughs> oh, burn. my God. <laughs> wow. Keep up the good work, guys. I love it. I hope they're on Twitter. Like, that's an account I would instantly follow. That's it's, uh, <laughs> Great. Scary imagery, but great imagery.
1: <laughs> Smog, you want this one?
2: Absolutely. So this is from GW205. It says, number one trusted source for animal news. Yes, we are. Not only do the gentlemen of the program deliver fair and balanced reports from around the animal kingdom, they're helping us laugh our way through the fall of the Republic. Great interviews, games, and topics ranging from crack pipe equity to the eloquent speeches of Kamala Harris remind us to laugh so that we don't cry. Thankfully, the red wave is coming, and these guys are riding it harder than the left rides the current thing. Keep holding the line. I I love the current thing, too. That theme is just so strong. It's emblematic of, like, so quickly... I mean, I think that's part of why the Dems have no message going into the midterm totally. because they've just tried to jump on anything, everything, anything, the current thing.
1: <laughs> uh, this last one is, I love this. Uh, it's, it's by hill 29. I am bracket woman. Uh, it was a cold afternoon on January 20th, 2021. When I, a career turned political appointee, packed up my office and the only solace I turned to was the Ruthless Variety program. That's very
4: nice of you. That is very nice.
1: Uh, imagine my surprise where a couple weeks ago I'm listening to the fellas and Bracket Man came up. Why is that notable? Well, I was Bracket Woman for three years. <laughs> now, <laughs> you, you recall, Bracket Woman is the person who has to edit presidential transcripts. Yep. Right? I was behind the maelstrom uh, of Kanye and the Oval Office transcript. Wow. Wow. Two Kim Jong-un meetings in Singapore and Seoul. Wow. And worked alongside five other bracket people to record, type, and produce those beautiful transcripts that came out of the White House. If you ever want to track the mistakes of a president or vice president, presidential mistakes, do a control find for the brackets that is so smart anytime those come up it means the prepared remarks went out the window and someone made an oopsie that could potentially cause some bad stuff to go down (laughs) (laughs) keep up the good work fellas my entire family are huge fans and i wish you all the best in owning the libs fantastic
4: that is just the best that is
1: a great review that's very bracket woman that's it, incredible. And she provided some unique
0: insight for the listeners.
1: I'd loved, I mean, can you imagine? It sounds like she was at those. Those are like yeah.
0: extremely consequential events. Right? Huge. <laughs> That's stuff to tell your grandkids. That is so cool.
1: It would, be, it would give you some nerves throwing brackets around a Kim Jong-un meeting, though, wouldn't it? Yeah.
3: You know, on, <laughs> honestly,
2: I remember where I was during the, the Trump-Kim Jong-un thing when he was like, fuck it, I'll just walk over the line and rolled over. <laughs> yeah. I remember. I mean, that was electric. That was a We used to have an amazing country. Like, hey, man, I don't think Biden could even walk over any line, you know. For, well, it had, alone if it's like the 30th parallel or whatever.
1: If I remember right, there was some like river rock or something in between it, which you know, unstable footing for a man of that age. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta have life alert on speed dial for yeah. that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fellas, I know you saw this tweet. Um, Kamala Harris tested positive for COVID as she now uh, isolates with no symptoms. But did you see this tweet that the White House sent out?
4: It was unbelievable. It was absolutely
1: It's the funniest. Un- it's like unbelievable reel. admission. It said that she's not considered a close contact of the president. <laughs> <laughs> like the
2: White House puts out a message. It says, word for uh, Vice President Kamala Harris has tested positive for COVID. She's not considered a close contact of <laughs> President Biden. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I got it. I got to admit when I read that I got like secondhand embarrassment, you know, like I felt bad for her for a second, you know, like that sort of stabbing feeling in your stomach where you're like,
2: oh, Dude, that, would, that is absolutely something that would happen on Veep on right the HBO show. That is something that would 100 percent. Well, because
0: there's that that recurring bit on the show where Selena Meyer, the vice president, always walks in the office and she's like, hey, did the president call? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Sure didn't. <laughs> like, every time she walks to the office, she says the same thing. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you get that sense that Kamala Harris is uh, just not really getting a lot of time. I mean, that's why
2: them. her entire staff is, is just leaving like right. constantly. Every sing- Basically, every single person who's ever worked for Kamala Harris as vice president has just left because there's, like, nothing to do. She's not close contact with the president. And she still manages to bungle everything. They're like, okay, you're the borders are. Bungles at doesn't go to the border. Okay. Well, now you're that- sent to Europe for, to, to stop Russia. <laughs> Clearly didn't have that. Out. Do, you remember, do you remember
0: when Bri- uh, Biden did the press conference um, uh, at the White House on infrastructure? And it was like a bipartisan press conference. And Manchin was there. Oh, yeah. And some Republicans were there. And Kamala's like, a hundred yards back, under the port, <laughs> under the portico, standing under one of the columns with her arms crossed. And it's like,
2: like <laughs> and hey, she didn't really get invited. We're all having fun hanging out, right? <laughs> meanwhile,
1: meanwhile, Mayor Pete's walking around like the bell of the ball. <laughs> hey,
4: maybe all they of, hate her. They maybe all of Kamala's staff is just leaving to form the. 24 presidential campaign no dude honestly <laughs> maybe, they're probably trying to like doing. send
2: their resumes to the p campaign like they're like <laughs> we actually want to work for someone who's got a shot at
1: this <laughs> it really is amazing i would last observation on this world headquarters here for the taping of the ruthless variety program is on the direct path from the naval observatory where the vice president mm-hmm. lives to the white house have you all noticed that only about, like, once a week do those lights you, and sirens have, come out? I have
4: noticed. You, in, I, I have totally noticed. And much less frequently in the past few days.
1: I mean, it is never. Yeah. It, like, because it interrupts. I mean, look, it's a huge motorcade. They're full of lights and sirens all the time. So it, yeah. it disrupts traffic. It disrupts everything. You notice when they go by.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely.
1: I haven't heard it in a long time. No.
0: Well, and our windows look out over that you yeah, know, right. street. So, like, we would see.
1: We would see it. So right. it's I, like it's just not happening. And unless I miss something, I don't think she's out of town.
4: I don't think so either. I mean, you're always so tempted to take a picture of them driving down the street to say that the vice president's on her way to impart wisdom or some kind of a <laughs> joke on Twitter. But then you're always like, maybe I shouldn't take pictures of the movements of the vice president (laughs) Uh, especially Especially as a conservative they're looking for yeah she she may (laughs) she may may be a complete idiot but she's what we got Yeah,
1: right right Um, all right let's you guys want some animal news yes yes all right so this is this fuses covid and animal news it turns out this is according to a study done by nature dot com i don't know where mcdaniel gets like how do you think he's on nature dot com but who knows anyway he finds this stuff. Guy's wide, red, widely red. He's a widely red man.
2: I mean, I, I just imagine, like, the Google ads he served. It's all, like, animal care, <laughs> betting on horses. <laughs> <laughs> Punching horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so it, it turns out that COVID is now spreading in deer. Uh I don't. Let me just read some of this because I I found this first part absolutely hysterical. So so, deers are are testing positive. The cotton swabs travel a little bit further into the animal's cavernous nasal passages.
2: Mm. The accompanying uh, photo you have to see is like the doctor with the gloved hands holding the deer's head with a cotton. Co- he's got a swab deer. in the right, and the deer's like. Very skeptical of what the fuck is happening.
1: <laughs> this deer does not like the looks of this one bit. But as it's described in this article, it looks like you got to put the dowel right down the like entire go, snout of this y- y- thing. You got to get in there. Like Into the it, what, brain.
2: This direct quote says, we'll run out of swab before, you know. Hit anything says Andrew Bowman, a <laughs> veterinary epidemiologist at Ohio State University. The Ohio State University. It's,
4: it's unbelievable. This deer is in Ohio. We are talking to you in April. The deer is being swabbed in April. It's going to be shot dead in September, <laughs> October. Right? I mean, what's the point in swabbing it? It's not going to live to see I Christmas. I don't
2: think COVID survives buckshot. So yeah,
4: I, I don't <laughs> think so either. Seems to be
1: a big a bigger challenge for or or,
0: or a freezer.
4: <laughs> right? Uh, so, so. Buckshot, then freezer. I, I don't think it survives
0: that. Well, so I, I think one of the reasons why, though, is that once the deer, this according to the article, once a deer catches the virus, there are plenty of opportunities for COVID to spread to the broader population. And it says here, white-tailed deer are very social animals. Michael
4: is advocating that we mask the deer.
0: <laughs> Double mask the deer.
1: Shall we mask the deer, Michael? No. I,
0: I mean, I'm just curious how, how COVID might impact the, the taste of the venison, really.
1: Well, I mean, look, they say that what they're trying to study here and they're and they're inconclusive is whether the deer can give COVID to the humans. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't that could be.
2: I have I just had a ridiculous inappropriate thought. So one of, one of the bullet points says in late December twenty twenty one, researchers found the highly transmissible Omicron variant in white-tailed deer living in Staten Island. Like, Staten Island? There must have been some Italian guy. <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> here we down. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the letters again. <laughs> <laughs> more
0: more anti Italian prejudice. A venison tagliatelle.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're gonna get more letters that's
1: unbelievable
2: the italian-american council is gonna force a station the, of apologies. Anti-
1: <laughs> the anti-defamation is gonna come after you fellas oh my gosh well our apologies to our, our proud italian uh friends out there this has really gone off the rails uh uh we mean you no harm what we're looking for obviously is is whether or not you can catch COVID. And it looks like nature.com says that's inconclusive at this stage.
2: I mean, honestly, that should be, you know, in somewhat more serious and germane news, that should be a prime example of how you can't have COVID zero. You're seeing how China's right now dealing with it. Like the horror stories from Shanghai where at night people are screaming from their windows because like, the government has effect- effectively locked everyone in their homes. They right. put, like, a tape seal. Like, there's a CNN reporter. So normally I advocate a lot of these journals should be locked up. So they've got this journal, <laughs> a CNN journal in Shanghai, and they put this, like, tape, the seal tape over the door so they'll yeah. know if anyone has come outside.
0: Right. The, the stuff that they made you do in middle school when you went on a field trip and you had an overnight. Yeah. You know, the the chaperones would put tape over the door so you couldn't leave and go to a Wait, girl's room at night.
1: Is it? You had that?
2: Oh yeah, that is wild. I know. <laughs> was there like a problem going on? Yeah. No. What kind
1: of school did you go to? <laughs> <man>? Like
2: turns <laughs> turns out a really cool school, <laughs> <laughs> a real cool
1: school where kids did cool stuff. I mean, oh.
2: there must have been a lot of lessons learned on those field trips. They're like, okay, uh, we got to start bringing out the tape, folks. Yeah. Uh, those,
1: those bus rides must have been something. But, yeah.
2: Like you know, the, the the government's providing people with these like food packets, and everyone gets every door, every house. Gets the same, which is like, you know, it might be a few potatoes and a piece of chicken. And whether that's one person living alone or a family of four, it's like, that's what you got. We'll be back in a few days. So, Mm -hmm. like, people are essentially starving because the government's like, we can have COVID zero. We'll just lock everyone up. Uh, Prime example, that's what happens.
1: Well, we're studying it. Uh, Another thing that we're studying is the continued fallout from CNN+.
4: Did you guys see the business plan, this fictitious idea that of how many fans they
1: were going to get? Well, um, the first time I saw it, was Smug, Smug was tweeting about
2: it. Yeah, so this might be like an all-time hilarious pitch deck. Like, <laughs> like you're trying to p- present this a- a- as a business proposal, and you have to keep a straight face. I mean, it, so I'll, I'll just read. So this is from Axios. It says, uh, financial projections were based on internal CNN research that assumed CNN Plus could one day attract nearly 30 million global subscriptions. <laughs> okay, and it says uh, executives bucketed uh. CNN Plus's potential audience into three groups, okay? There are 29 million, quote, mm-hmm. CNN superfans. There are 29 million. They've, Let's do the
1: math on that.
2: They're like, we've got 29 million
1: superfans. But, but when they say that, I mean, look, this is not this is to sophisticated people that they're presenting this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it's in it, it says there's 29 million CNN superfans. Do they then wonder how twenty nine million super fans of CNN
0: Don't tune in every do night. not yeah.
1: tune in ever? <laughs> how they get like four hundred thousand people to watch it? No, I'm serious. Like, I think what the hell? I think no. this is
0: like a textbook definition of drinking your own Kool-Aid. You know, like that you know, this was an internal research document. Uh, the idea that there's 29 million super fans of CNN is insane. Thing that you could only believe if you lived in a bubble inside the building,
2: right? So, so these are very key numbers I pulled up. So in primetime, Fox News finished the recent quarter with an average total audience of 2.5 million viewers. All right, MSNBC finished with a total audience of 1.2 million, while CNN finished third 850,000. Uh, so they got—they can't even crack a million viewers. And they're like, we got 29 million subscribers.
4: Here's 29 million? Here's the thing, guys. Brian Stelter made this point earlier in the <laughs> week. We can't tell whether this was a success or a failure yeah, because time. they cut it short.
2: Archaeologists will have to look back. They, they will. This will be
4: like, <laughs> Historians will really be the judge of this. <laughs> this will be like the volcano of Pompeii. <laughs> and... What Stelter believes is that if you would have given him enough time and enough hours on air, he would have gotten to $30 million. Can I make a
1: counterintuitive point?
4: Oh, you think you would have gotten there?
1: No. I, this is, like, one of the least successful cable news outlets in America. Right. Right? Given the brand that they were given and built by, like, Wolf Blitzer throughout the 1990s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and hard work yeah. from people... The fact that they went from the only name in cable news to a fact where they can't crack a million people is like nothing short of stunning. So the fact that the CNN Plus in two and a half, three weeks was able to get 150,000 subscriptions to me is eye opening. They must have done a hell of a marketing job. I have absolutely (laughs) no idea. I've never met anybody who would be interested in a CNN Plus subscription. But somehow they sold one hundred and fifty thousand of these things. Well, they spent three hundred million dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's that, you, that's how you do it. You,
0: I mean, would they hand everybody five thousand dollars for <laughs> signing up? <laughs> <laughs> three
2: hundred million. Three hundred million.
1: It's unbelievable. It's uh, well, look, it's uh, they're not going to live to tell a tale. As we said, it's shutting down at the end of the month. Um, let's go to what we started the program. With which was the Democrats' 2022 message, time to raise taxes. Uh, Schumer and Manchin discussed moving a tax bill with only Democratic support. Now, you'll remember when we were talking about BBB last year, Democrats went through this complicated budget process. It's called reconciliation. What it does is allow you to pass these controversial things only on party line vote. Now, it died in large part because Senator Manchin said, no thanks. I'm not interested in driving us any further into the ditch than we already are and have driven ourselves. So now amidst eight and a half percent inflation, amidst all of the problems that we have that they created in this country, energy and everything else, Schumer is going back to mansion to try to figure out what tax increases that they can pass.
4: It's unbelievable, especially on the heels of this GDP news that's coming out. I mean, we know that our economy is struggling. We know that inflation is rising. And it's just absolutely the worst possible time to raise taxes on people while they're paying higher prices for everything. It's the worst possible time to raise taxes on businesses. Businesses have supply chain problems. They have pricing problems. They cannot get ahead on at, on the heels of this pandemic. And here you have Democrats saying, we're going to raise your taxes It's just it's the worst possible thing you could ever imagine.
1: But the funny thing is, is they they're so they have nothing but blunt objects and blunt instruments in the Democratic Party. Right. So so this is from the Washington Examiner. And the way they describe it is, quote, the goal is to ease inflation, which badly hurt President Joe Biden's approval ratings in 2022 um, as they approach the midterms. Um, Again.
4: It's, it's insane. There's an economist that also writes at the Examiner. It's a guy named Bruce Thompson. He's been around town for a long time. He made, an, he made an argument. I encourage everybody to go read it. He made an argument recently about how raising taxes actually makes inflation worse.
1: Well, it gives the government more of your money.
0: Right. Well, also, what I love about this story in the Examiner about Schumer and, and this plan is there is no actual plan. No, it just says we're going to raise taxes to combat inflation. It doesn't say how that's accomplished or like, is there some sort of government program that you're going to use that's going to ease inflation, you know, based on this this increase in tax revenue that we're going to none of that. It just says we're going to do it. And it's like, OK,
1: well, he's going to ease it. Very underpants. Normally, right? right? Very. There's no plan. It's like, no, we're going to take the underpants right. and then money. It, it, there's a no – it doesn't make any sense at all. You it's,
0: give us more money. The people who are spending too much money, you give us more money, and that solves us, solves the problem of us spending too much money and in causing inflation. It's the <laughs> <a> kind <laughs> of – no I listen, mean, it so really
2: – it's like Kafkaesque. They're like, so, so we know it's really hard. You guys don't have a lot of money. So what we want is for you to give us the money you do have. Give more. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: guys, we're laughing about this, but Democrats – Feel the ability to do this sort of like ridiculous message that nobody can understand because the press is never going to pre- call them out on it.
1: No, it's process, right? It's like oh, they're going to they're working on it. And you know, this they're is, working on something. Doing, well, let's yeah, see yeah. if they can get it done. Yeah. They're working on oh, this
2: is, it. This is this is this is something like I feel like in my bones about our current political landscape is. The Democrats' proposals and, and, and what they put out there should not be debated. It should be mocked. Like we should be laughing at them. They should be ridiculed. They should not be taken seriously because this is what their party has become. Yeah, they they have zero interest in helping Americans. It's a clown it, it's, show. It, it's it's, co- it's an absolute clown, clown show. show. They, they 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 worry about the most ridiculous garbage. Like they're they're united over making sure Disney gets tax breaks rather than the rest of the country who's. Already losing 8.5% of, of, of your money gets vaporized before your very eyes to start with. And then groceries, I mean, are out-indexing out, out indexing the CPI, right? So people are facing very real problems, and they're saying, so give us your money.
1: Yeah, well, and this is this is maybe progress because the p- thing that they were talking about before this was, the filibuster, it's yeah. broken! Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right.
4: Well, to that point, the, the story goes on to say that to pass this reconciliation bill, Schumer would need to keep his entire caucus together, due to the evenly split margins in the Senate, but it's unclear if Centrist Democrat Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, who also played a role in blocking build back better for moving forward, is open to the proposition. Here's one thing that I find very interesting. I think
1: I know what you're gonna say.
4: Mark Kelly is terrified of feeling like he is to the left of Kirsten Cinema, and he and he is like Bernie Sanders to Kirsten Cinema's Mitt Romney. I mean she looks like the moderate. She looks like the centrist. He looks like a complete lunatic.
1: Well, I think, but I think it goes to a larger point, which is all of these Democrats rhetorically that have their name on a ballot right now are trying to like brand themselves as moderate.
0: Right. We see that with Title 42. Yeah, right.
1: right. They're all like, oh no, we all spoke out against Title 42. When and Trump that, was president. Yeah, but yeah. Now, we're, now we're for it. Yeah. <laughs> but but none of them, even in all of these articles, all of these, 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 political publications will talk about the moderate Catherine Cortez Masto or something like that. Uh But every one of these articles, not a single time does their name come up as a stumbling block to getting tax increases or something like that through.
4: Never does. Right. Never through. It's
1: always Joe Manchin, right? It's never like, when the hell is Gene Shaheen going to be somebody who they have to concern their vote again? (laughs) let, 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 let
4: Let me, let me, let me say something and bring a few things together. If, anybody listening to this show happens to see one of these Democrats who's up for re-election in 2022 vote yes on a tax hike run directly to predict it and put your entire bankroll against them
1: <laughs> <laughs> remember that's predicted backslash promo backslash ruthless 20. <laughs> this is the best this is the best partnership we've ever done oh, it's amazing it's amazing um all right uh well you hold on I want to hit one more thing because I didn't know this was a problem. But a, a good way of thinking about whether something is going to be a problem is when you get assurances from Jen Psaki that it's not a problem. Oh yeah. Right? So I never thought about this. Nobody's that talked about it at all. But meanwhile from the podium this week, Jen Psaki says the US is not expecting a food shortage here at home. That's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? What the fuck?" <laughs> Are you kidding me? Thanks, Jen. A food with a bread basket for the goddamn world, and and now we have a food shortage?
2: Especially coming from Jen Psaki, it's like, it it, it hits different. She's not exactly a spokesperson. It's kind of like, you know, one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. She'll she'll roll up, and she'll be like, listen, folks. I'm pestilence. You you don't have to worry about inflation. And now she's pestilence. Now she's literally pestilence. She's like, you might save money on your 4th of July meal. Inflation is transitory, like things very quickly, you know, spiral out of control. Yeah. Now there's, so when she's like, there'll be no food shortages, it's like how soon before it's like, comrades, your food pellets
1: should be on the way. <laughs> Red lines start behind me. Oh, man. Incredible. We got more animal news.
2: What a great show.
1: What a I mean, great show. I this is just like an action packed. Great program. Can't believe we provide this for free. Uh, there is a wild turkey. On the loose in DC, you recall two weeks ago, we even had an uh, angry Redskins fan on to talk about his first-person uh, involvement with the fox when yeah. he
2: saw the fox and, and and tried to get it killed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I think he succeeded <laughs> clearly, and and all of its off- offspring. I'll never forget know.
2: the fox. Yeah, they killed the kids too.
1: <laughs> they killed the, they killed the fox and everything around it. Well, now there's a new menace that is haunting Anacostia River Walk Trail in Washington, D.C. This is according to the Washington Post. It hunts the lonely, quiet stretch of the woods. I'm talking about Turkey. (laughs) It hunts. It hunts the lonely, quiet stretch of woods between the Kenilworth Park and Aquatic Gardens in the Kenilworth Recreation Center. Suddenly, it appears in front of a biker, walker, or runner and gives chase, flapping and slapping its talons (laughs) and gobbling it's a male wild turkey, and it's already sent someone to urgent care. That wow, is, that
4: is just great writing. <laughs> so
2: here's a question: Where the that hell is Kennelworth?
4: So if you're coming in from Maryland on 50, if you're
1: coming in from Annapolis, that's why I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. If,
1: if <laughs> it doesn't, if it doesn't arrive in a Uber Eats, I mean, I know Georgetown, I a
2: Foggy you, Bottom. You pass it on your <laughs> way to the exit to
4: 295.
1: Well, either way, the, aqua-
4: the aquatic gardens are quite beautiful.
1: You're going to have to keep watch if you're in this area. Uh, I, I know that you, Duncan, in particular, enjoyed some color in this particular story.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, my this is the story of Clark Weigel, <laughs> key figure into this story. A special education sp- uh, specialist uh, was biking along the trail when he spotted a turkey in the path. Weigel dismounted and tried to leave. But the Tom, Tom's a male turkey. Tom attacked, pecking, and flapping. Oh, yeah. After throwing two phones and a radio at the enraged bird, Weigel finally threw his bike. <laughs> the turkey slunk off. He had to throw
2: his entire
0: bike I mean, at this turkey. This tur- is a <laughs> <like, laughs> legit turkey. Listen.
1: Because the thing is,
2: like, you know, 99% of the time when you encounter an animal in the wild... And like, let's, if you even try to take a photo of it, they will scamper off. Oh, yeah. This one's taking multiple phones, radios, like anything. It's taking it right to. can reach at. Yeah. No. He had to go with the whole bike. And only then was the turkey like, all right, fine. Only in. I'm life. waiting until you don't have the bike. <laughs> like, I will I let you
4: pass, guys. <laughs> guys. That's
2: the total. You have to pay turkey. What's in the pockets?
4: <laughs> <laughs> only in liberal Washington, D.C. do people throw bikes at their property.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, he, he had two cell phones. I think he was reaching for any projectile he had on him, but this turkey was undeterred. It's yeah. it's hurt. I
4: don't I, so so you guys have seen turkeys, you've seen Canadian geese. In the Midwest, people take care of these problems very differently. Well, you yeah. Sh- yeah, you sh- they do. you shoot the thing. You you shoot it or if you don't have a gun, you literally can walk up to a Canadian goose. <laughs> Ring its
1: neck. Yeah. Yeah. Hell you, yeah. you give it to the old ring but you got to be careful listen you do have not, to be careful if you're you not have inter- to know yeah. what you're doing if you if you
2: have <laughs> well question question to the table here you you encounter a wild turkey you think you can take it straight up you, you, no you, no no question yeah
1: no, yeah, I, I no feel question. good. No ab- I feel good about it. I will say though, the talon thing has an added dimension that the goose does not have. Right, because they can get you with the but foot. Why hook. can't
0: you just run up and kick it? That's well, that's saying. Saying. So, <laughs>
2: that's what I'm saying. It's got to be a quick, just like instant kill. So, so one you, hit strike, you can. shock and awe.
0: You can, but <laughs> but those talons are sharp. And you hear more from the story. But that's like
2: a, a scuffle. Like, no, but no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. Hold on. Another victim posted a photo of the turkey in full plumage <laughs> to local blog. Uh, P.O.P.ville, Ville, uh, that's Prince of Petworth, uh, reporting that he ended up in urgent care with puncture wounds on his legs. <laughs> and I had to get a tetanus shock and antibiotics. Yeah. So that's the problem. It's like maybe if you go for the kick, like yeah. he gets yeah. it some towns in there and then you got to go to the urgent you, care, you, you, and get a tetanus. You shot. You know
2: what that says to me? Hesitation.
0: Hesitation. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually do kind of agree because I think birds m- more so than than even most animals really respond to. To dominance,
2: yeah. I mean, like, if there's, it's like they say, if there's any signs of a struggle, it shouldn't ever become a struggle. Right. You just gotta go in one hit, done. Both.
1: I think the move here is if you're on the bike, you speed up, right. You're going right at this thing, and then you you hang the situation. leg, you hang a leg off, and then you just. Oh, so it's hard, hard
4: as you drive can't. by oh, on the turkey, then it's dead. You throw it over your back, put it in the freezer, and you have Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I wish we had a. I wish
0: we had a gobble in the soundboard right now.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's one of the many reasons I love Thanksgiving because the turkey turkey's a delicious bird. Like,
0: it
1: adds a I new think... dimension of adding of owning the libs on Thanksgiving if you have booted the turkey right? into submission it. and it's now on the table. Right.
2: Like I booted this turkey once, anyone brings up any dumb talking points and I'm doing it twice. I'm going to boot it again. I'm going to have it right here. It's <laughs> going to get another <laughs> kick. I God can't bless believe- McDaniel I can't, for finding this, man. I, I never heard about this until now. I can't believe And I, I try to keep up to breast of like, you know, crazy crazy stories like this about animals, but I can't man, believe the guy it? I can't believe the guy threw a bike at it.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. So wait, hold on. This other this other guy, he says uh He's still running the Anacostia Riverwalk Trail, albeit while exercising quite a bit more caution than before. Quote, I save my energy for that mile (laughs) to make sure that if I need to run, I can run.
2: That is so wild, dude. That is wild. I I, I can't believe he agreed to give his name. Like, you got owned by a turkey. Turkey literally was like, what's in the pockets?
1: You, you know they run them
2: jewels. Do you think all his th- shit. <laughs> 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 do, you think,
1: do you think the turkey's working with Hank?
2: That I would love to happen. Like yeah. this is Hank's nationwide like omerta in action. Yeah,
1: he, <laughs> he's like a consigliere, right? He, like Hank is like, hey Turkey, you got to own the Riverwalk he's like, Park, hey,
2: Anacostia. That's your that's your turf, right? If there. Anybody
1: comes through, I don't care if they have a bike or not. You got to peck the shit out of these guys.
2: <laughs> where's where's the uh, Department <laughs> of Transportation? Because like if if he goes after Mayor Pete, like this turkey's done. Like they will gun him down.
1: Dude. Like that's
2: not that's the one biker in this town you can't touch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. All right, so. So um, here's what I'm thinking, guys. I think we've got to read, we've got to do this Hunter Biden segment. Mm-hmm. One because Smug's been hilarious on it, and I, I think we ought to <laughs> we ought to include it. And then after this, I think we should play a game. Okay. Um, so so just to put this in context, uh, there's been all kinds of emails and things that have come out from Hunter Biden because of this laptop, the laptop from hell, as they say. Yes Uh, in another email from Hunter to Bo's widow Hallie in 2018, uh, it provided some extra color. Smog, do you have uh, you have some, I know you've got some stuff. I do, absolutely. So uh,
2: the New York Post, you know among the finest journalistic institutions in American history reports that uh, Biden, age 52, implored Hallie. So Hallie Biden is (laughs) his brother Bo's wife (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Ashford, king of the soundboard with this one. What a great cut.
1: There's never been a more apropos song than a family affair. Family affair.
2: So Hunter decides, you know, his brother's widow's fair game. And so they have a family affair, you know, as the (laughs) aforementioned song described. said, Biden-52 implored Hallie to be tested for HIV in an email sent to Beau Biden's widow on July 27th, 2018 about a month before he fathered an out-of-wedlock child with former stripper in London Roberts. So this is before he had the stripper baby and before he married the Instagram influencer.
1: Now, didn't he deny that the stripper baby was his baby for a he, while? He
2: did, and uh, here's, the, here's the beauty of that situation. is So he denied it. Uh, a DNA test revealed that it was, in fact, his baby. However, Joe Biden continues to deny it. It's the bastard grandchild. Like whenever he has speeches and he gives the number of his grandchildren, stripper baby is never included Are you're in kidding? that number. I'm dead serious. No, he, seriously. He, he,
4: he won't recognize. And
2: the like child? at the Easter egg hunt, stripper baby wasn't allowed. What?
1: No, it wasn't there? Not, allowed, all the not allowed to find eggs
2: with everybody else? All, the
1: family uh, pictures at the inauguration? No stripper no baby. No stripper baby. Stripper baby's not
2: allowed. No. All the grandchildren were present. That's that's just terrible. Well that's because they're terrible people. Yep. That's my guess. I I mean, the guy's willing to bang his brother's widow. These are not good people. (laughs) (laughs) It's not exactly like... It's sort of a threshold question with a lot of people. And this email, so it says, You need to inform me of the result. Hunter wrote in the email found on his abandoned laptop, a copy of which was obtained by the post. Today, in all caps, I am getting tested today. I have been sick, scared, Hallie, and you hang up on me like... I wonder why. Like, what a horrible situation. She's like, I knew I should not have banged my husband's brother. Like, (laughs) now he's asking me to get tested for HIV. says, Hunter also accused Hallie of being detrimental to his mental health. Like... He's like, listen, you're giving me a hard time. I'm just trying to ask you to get an AIDS test. I've been in a lot of places. I'm about to have a stripper baby. Why are you giving me a hard time? (laughs) I'm
0: asking you to take an AIDS test, but you're stressing me out. I mean, unbelievable.
1: The best is that there's no context for it at all, right? None. You, you can None. only assume None. You can only assume that he's asking her to hit this AIDS test because there's been some sort of close-to-home scare.
2: The best is so then he sent a message in all caps. You need to get <laughs> tested for HIV Halley. Like, that is the text you never want to get. <laughs> never. And then from Hunter Biden, like I, I knew this was a bad decision. <laughs> Like, I knew this was a bad decision. It's like that meme of, like, uh, me sewing. Like, oh, yeah, me ripping. Like, (laughs) fuck, no, why? (laughs) I mean, that's when you hang out with Hunter Biden. But, like, my opinion, so, yeah, sure, Hunter Biden is corrupt. Joe Biden is corrupt. Terrible people. But I bet low-key Hunter Biden would be awesome to hang out with. Like, he would be the best dude to roll with. Like, he must have, like, a total – like, I've given this some thought. He has, like, a total mental complex – like he's always lived in the shadow of joe biden his brother was obviously like the chosen son yeah. the good son the, the son who was going to be like you know the successor to the family and 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 his son you know that son died off and so joe biden you know every day is like oh man wrong song died so you know hunter has to live with that and so in his mind he's kind of like the fredo you know right. like when they front sent fredo to vegas in the godfather and we're like okay you know we'll send people there you just entertain them so i bet i bet hunter's the same way like, i'm if, smart pop yeah, not yeah. like they say, not 100%. dumb. That's it. I mean, that is Hunter Biden, dude. Like he's like, okay, mm-hmm. like uh, I w- I can entertain. So like, if he showed up here right now, I guarantee we would have the time of our lives. With I Hunter mean- Biden, time of our lives. I would absolutely like. Not do anything he suggested, <laughs> <laughs> but we have the
1: time of our lives. Well, there's also the added wrinkle with Hunter in that he's he's come across a fair amount of money in his life, right? He blows it all. Yeah, I mean, but like, like they're, we're talking tens of millions of dollars that's gone through this guy's hands. I mean, if you can spend that kind of money and have the lifestyle he has, that's or, the thing.
4: That's he's, a fun he's, time. Not, he's not giving those paintings away. These are like <laughs> these. These cost as much as a Picasso. Five hundred thousand dollars. Artist.
2: <laughs> and, and so uh, another thing, an, an aside, somewhat semi-related from this is I've been told this is, this is something I've heard from, from folks inside the White House.
1: Is this going to be something we have to apologize for? No,
2: absolutely not. This is actually very interesting. I don't know if this has even been reported out. Mm. So apparently Hallie's got a book that's coming out Uh-oh. in like six weeks. No. And they're super <laughs> nervous about it. Wow.
1: That could leave a mark. That could leave a mark. Some you don't are, want her and talking And you know she would not be able to violence. get a book
2: deal unless the publisher would be like, you have to spill it. We have to hear the details, spill but the you're beans. not getting this money. The
1: only thing she's got going for her is that she married into the Bidens, not the Clintons. Oh, yeah, right. That's right, why right. she's alive. <laughs> <laughs> parody, parody. 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 We're laughing. Parody. We're laughing and joking. <laughs> so that's our Hunter Biden segment. What an episode. <laughs> You're getting it all here today folks. Uh okay, let's play a game. Well,
0: it's Thursday and that means we gotta play King of the Hill. yeah. Hey. Uh, Holmes, you have our defending champion. Two times Steve Schmidt Two time. Who are you bringing to the table here today Smug? the one the only David from. Wow. We haven't used him much on the on the program.
2: Yeah, he has brought some. In- so, friend of the program, T-Rex, DM'd me the suggestion that like David frum has been off his rocker. I went through the tweets, and David Frum has absolutely been off
1: his rocker. Like he
2: sh- <laughs> is, he's showing up.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, how do you feel about T-Rex giving him the inside track on you?
1: Well, he's always
2: colluded. No, it's not collusion, man. It's information. t Rex's wisdom is freely available. You know what I mean? Like, he's like a sensei.
0: No conspiracy.
1: No, no I, 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 if you expect me to shit talk T Rex, I'm not going to do that. There's nobody who has better insight into the game of King of the Hill than T Rex. I yeah. just, I find it disappointing. Like the, he's like the saber metrics of King of the Hill, man. It's like, you know,
2: like if, if, if the sensei is there, ask the sensei. And that's what I do, you know, I ask the experts because okay. I trust the experts. Okay. Well,
0: here we go. Well, let's go ringside. <laughs> Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, your attention,
4: please. Once again, it's time for King of the Hill. In the blue corner, fighting from his own weekly column, David, where did he come from? (laughs) And now, in the red corner, Fighting from a liberal pack in Utah and current champion of the world, the old hat man, Steve
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just got the intro for from, and man, that hits hard. <laughs> it's hard.
0: He didn't even tell us what he was gonna do for that. Because
2: that's like <laughs> 10 out of 10. It's just <laughs> amazing.
0: Uh, Ashbrook, some of your finest work, uh, Really, I didn't, I, like, I didn't I, even know you were going to pick from. It
2: took 30 seconds later until I got it, and I was like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it hit. It hit hard.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, so Holmes, our defending champion, you have to go first in round one.
1: Okay, so this is from April 26th at 5 o'clock, right about the cocktail hour when Steve warms up. Okay. <clears throat> he is responding to, you know how he loves those... Threads. Yes. He loves to thread stuff. Right. Right. Got a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. And wants it's important to have him out there. Everybody needs to know these thoughts. Yeah. Right. But he's w- what he's started this thought was a, a report about the LA County Sheriff's Department investigating an LA Times reporter for a a leak of information that put people in danger. Right? Okay. <clears throat> Extremism problem. Beware the sheriff's deputies kitted up for a day of house-to-house combat in Fallujah, as they say. Here we see a public official engaged in a grotesque abuse of power as he assaults the First Amendment and 245 years of American press freedom with it. Fallujah. Fallujah. He just compared the sheriff of L.A. County to conducting a house-to-house combat in Fallujah. Right. Because he's investigating a sensitive leak within the department that went to this uh, reporter. (laughs) Wow. That's just truly eye-opening. He
0: he does know the sort of content that'll get the RTs, though, from his base. Like, the faux outrage. I appreciate that about his, his tweeting.
1: He's good. I think Fallujah is what really caught my eye there. Yeah. I got a banger. Okay.
2: And I think this will appeal to you. The, you know, the, the electoral college is, is one of your things. So here, we got David Frum on April 23rd. Another French innovation. The candidate for president who gets the most votes wins. <laughs> He's like, listen, folks, I know we had the founding fathers and the Constitution. Why not French government? <laughs> <You> <laughs> They've know had a reign of terror. <laughs> Currently dudes in yellow vests go around beating people up. <laughs> did you see So So did you, did you guys see did you see Ron Klein's
0: just like galaxy brain tweet oh, yeah. about yeah. the French election that like Macron, just like Biden, has a terrible approval rating, but he won. Right.
2: It's like <laughs> It was incredible. Stunning. It was it's incredible. Like,
0: <laughs> Stunning. Like things aren't going so bad.
2: Like like the, the whole like absolute brainworms takes that came out of the French election are, are something else. Right. Something else. Like it, it's a rich vein for for content there because the takes that a lot of these folks were putting out absolutely like it shows how clueless they are going into the red wave right like they have no idea no
0: I, you know what that's actually a really good point smug i'm glad it's th- what their takes are i hope they keep repeating them totally now don't tell them totally don't they tell to stay
2: em. in their little silo
0: um gosh the fallujah takes pretty great can you give me one more read smug
2: absolutely another french innovation the candidate for president who gets the most votes wins ah <laughs> Just the most fucking stuck up asshole way to go about saying is good. I hate the Constitution, the Electoral College.
0: It's good, man. It is good. It's
2: like you can see he's like, you know, swirling the wine in his glass. He's yes. Like, oh, I got an idea for a tweet. Also, like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like also, like, w- w- during the beginning of, like, the Iraq War, wouldn't Frum have been calling these, like, what is it? White flag waving surrender monkeys or whatever. Absolutely. What is, the guy is. Like what was the, the line? That was the Jonah Goldberg line on the French during a wreck.
2: Oh, th- that was that was him. Yeah. The, the, he called them the surrender monkeys. Yeah. And it was from who created Axis of Evil. Yes, right. What a crew.
0: It's just funny to see now, all oh, these yeah. years later, twenty years later, like the well,
2: French are the people that we should be taking advice from. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's like basically that's the thing is is all of it comes down to Trump just broke these people's brains. They just could not handle that.
0: I think it's a great tweet. I don't think it quite gets you over the hump in round one, unfortunately. Steve Schmidt wins with his Fallujah take. Okay.
1: Okay. Here we go. Smug, what do you got for me? So this is
2: just utter lack. Utter lack of self-awareness from David Frum. Again, talking about the French election. This is on April 24th. Too often... An out-of-touch media elite has failed to understand these people connected to the political process, broadly trusting of the mainstream media who have voted for a liberal, globalizing ex-banker who wants to deregulate the economy. The audacity!
0: <laughs> Wait, he's calling other people out he's, of he, touch he, media elites. Yeah, David Frum is. It's
2: like how do you, how do you not from the Atlanta. Holy shit! He's like, how do you, how do you not understand your voters? How, how do you not get the voters? <laughs> They've just had oh. it with you
1: other media elites. Oh. Okay. What you got, Holmes? I got to come with some heat. Because I got to keep the streak alive. It's a three-set It's a three. Yeah. Set streak. I got to go for it. This would be the hat trick. <clears throat> okay, so... Uh, Steve is quote-tweeting Jennifer Rubin, who is linking to an article entitled Florida man asks schools to ban Bible following the state's efforts to remove books. And she says uh, a strong contender for the person of the week, the guy that's calling for the, yeah, right. This is Steve's take on this. It speaks to the genius of the American system. The founder saw DeSantis coming in the, in the 1780s. It can be argued that the genius of the system is the constraints it opposed against the worst impulses of people who are drawn towards the abuse of power, in some ways, the American. Wow.
2: that's that's. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to interject. That's weak. Does, oh. he,
0: does he think he's some sort of historian?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: He absolutely does. Does he have some book deal I don't know about? No, he's always been this way. He has faux intellectualism that he uses to bully through arguments he can't win. Yeah, it's always been his, his, since I've known him. That's his thing, right? It actually worked pretty well in some ways as like a young professional because he, you know, he sounded like he knew what. Just he was bullshit about. your
0: way through everything.
1: Yeah, but but like now, he's an old guy right. who's washed up, and he's just sort of faux intellectualizing his way. It's like through. this.
0: It's the sort of person who like surrounds themselves at cocktail parties with their intellectual inferiors and waxes poetic like this and everyone nods their heads and so they get this idea that they're somehow a smart person not a fucking idiot <laughs> and steve is an so, idiot
2: so i think that's weak and and i have like a half dozen tabs of of david from tweets to choose from but i'm gonna go and fight fire with fire wait you, you went you already
1: hold, went hold on the round you already is, went he's trying to jump he's trying to jump it He's trying to. He was trying. He took the win.
2: I'm ready. I'm ready to win that. I I thought I won the first round. I feel. Let me. I I forgot. I somehow lost the first
1: round. Let me just say, uh, on behalf of my uh, prosecution of this case, that I feel like he has usurped the ruling of the judge and the jury on this very important second round.
0: I don't think so. Um, Look, they're both uh, really good. Good tweets. I have to give it. To, to smug on that one. That one is really incredible. It, it's it's so out of touch uh, to not recognize who you are, David, Frum
2: when you're tweeting that. And, and here's how I'll do it. I'll go right into it. Oh, I'll go right into it because I've that I wanna, much I wanna, confidence. I have that much confidence. I want to go right into the. You DeSantis Remember what take. happened
1: last time you did this. I do.
2: I do. And I think this one's going to secure the win because okay. this is too good. Okay. This is too good.
1: Wow. You just okay.
2: I'm going to go right to the Desantis take. April 23rd. I'm on the Desantis fundraising list. The governor's emails have two consistent themes. This is a, a thread of like horrific and evil things. Number one, the glorification of personal freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, especially given, remember Stelter dropped that take where he was like, why would people want free speech? Imagine a party where anyone could say what they want. They could like, say whatever they want like, and everybody's super happy. Who would show up? They, they really have gotten that far off. They are that far off the reservation. Number one, the glorification of personal freedom. Number two, the celebration of state retaliation against those who think or speak in ways disfavored by the local government. Hmm. Who has spent the past how many years w- w- when it was Obama who was cracking down on conservatives using using the IRS? Right. This has become basically the operating spirit for the left. Right. Fighting
0: fighting nuns bake. in court to force them to to use the contraception mandate.
2: Or bake that cake.
0: Yeah. Bake that cake. Master. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Holmes is very quiet. He's he's pondering his next play.
1: I think I've got it. I'm I'm just this one thing I love about Steve is that he's got a couple of different gears, but self importance is like it just seeps through. It's just sort of like the thread line that you can pull through all of his faux intellectualism, his wisdom, his you know, all of the shit, his experience, whatever. Yeah. This one's so perfect. Nate Silver has a tweet that's it talks about how communication it starts by saying communications professionals vastly overrate how important communications are to political outcomes and then he goes and talks about like you know the historical problems with the first midterm and right. like you know the country's in a big bad spot and like you can't communicate your way out of that this is essentially what he's trying to say steve takes great offense to this as a communications professor <laughs> professional. Data professionals vastly overrate how important data is to political outcomes. Nate being the data person, right? There are three times in the last 122 years when the incumbent president party picked up House seats in the first midterm. The year was 2002, and I was at the Tom Davis-led NRCC.
0: <laughs> <Crying> <laughs> <himself>. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> <very incredible>. <laughs> <Crying> <laughs> it, is, it is funny. It's it's funny that <laughs> it's, it's, that's, just, it's, that's pure inside baseball. But like dude. most, but most people that's inside baseball. Most people, most people would have the tact to be <laughs> a little more subtle about it and be like, "Good <sighs> comms pros can fight their way out of a bad cycle." Think you know two thousand two, right? Like he could have said that and let people let let it be implied, right? Also, but he couldn't do that. He
1: couldn't do that. But also, nine eleven, right? Nine right. eleven, you son of a bitch. Right,
0: like that's the reason. You
1: absolutely asshole.
0: It was 9-11, it, it wasn't you. It
1: wasn't your communication strategy, you fucking loser. Right. It was the fact that our country had experienced the largest terrorist attack on American soil in our fucking history, you ignorant asshole. Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: <sighs> I mean, Smug, I really liked your tweet. And I hate to disappoint T-Rex, but I think I have to. And that means the hat trick for Steve Schmidt. Oh. (laughs) He curated some really good ones. There was a fire, fire tweets.
1: Those were good. Those were good. That was a good match. That was a really good match. Steve, he's doing better than I ever thought he would because he's a little ranty at times. But the last few weeks, he's had some really succinct stuff there. Giving
0: himself credit. For the
1: 2002 midterm. One of the most amazing takes. Pretty incredible. One of the most amazing takes.
0: I mean, he
4: may not have any hair. He may be a little hefty, but he's looking more and more like Jen Rubin every day.
1: (laughs) 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 With that, let's go to our interview. Tiffany Smiley. I want to welcome to the program a a very interesting United States Senate candidate with an absolutely terrific story. Uh, She's running in the great state of Washington. Tiffany Smiley. Welcome to the program.
3: Thanks for having me. So
1: happy to be on. Yeah, listen, um, you guys uh, typically Washington State in recent years has not been a state that we've looked at for anything statewide, right? It's, it's been, it's been really tough. As a backstory, the only campaign that I've ever been a part of that lost was in Washington State uh, in two thousand four. Oh, no, no. But I have a feeling that you are capturing an energy that uh, we never could back in 2004. And it's certainly a different environment.
3: You are absolutely right. And and what's exciting is, you know, from the very beginning of this, I've been at this for a year it's been about the people. And I wanted to get out and listen to as many uh, Washingtonians as I could. So when we say our grassroots movement is real, it is real. Um, they, people are fired up and there is an energy here. And you can you can tell just by the amount of volunteers who are signed up to my campaign and the amount of money that we've been able to raise as a political outsider, as a first time candidate. that people are really energized and ready for change here in Washington state.
1: That's what I think is so interesting about you is that your first time in politics, you're taking a shot at the title here with Patty Murray, who is, I mean, listen, she's the worst of the worst in so many regards. But your background, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got interested in politics, and sort of what has given you uh, this opportunity.
3: Yeah, well, first, I have to say, you know, 17 years ago, if someone would have told me, or even, you know, back in kindergarten, Garden. If someone would have said, "Tiffany, someday your life is going to lead to politics," I would have laughed. And been, you know, you're crazy. There's, there's no way my life would lead into politics. Um, I grew up in a very, very small town, Eltopia, Washington, um, on a farm. We didn't have much, but what I had was a ton of experiences. Um, growing up on the farm, you know, we're sort of like free range kids. We had horses, we raised, I raised steers, um, hogs. We had all kinds of animals and, you know, on any given day, you'd just go outside, you'd hop on your horse bareback and go riding in the field. And, um, you know, snow days, we cousins would come over, we cruise all over, you know, all over the property. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because some of these experiences, I was about five or six and we were out in the in the snow playing, you know, my mom would just let us go out. We always tease her like, mom, you must have locked us out because we have all these crazy experiences, you know? Um, And I, I fell in a well um, at six years old and my cousins and my brother built a human chain um, and pulled me out. So these these are sort of (laughs) no true story. These are the life experiences that I grew up with. Um, And, you know, I, I always wanted to be a doctor or a nurse. I, I wanted to help people. Um, so there was no question what I would do, you know, when, when college came um, I, I, I met Scotty Smiley, my, my high school sweetheart, when I was bused into the city school. So I was bused in in junior high to the city school and uh, met Scotty was that because Smiley. There was, no, was, talk-
1: that, was that because there was no school where you grew up or was that just like by choice you had to, to go to the city school?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, that was the only middle school that. You yeah, know,
1: right. Okay.
3: Yeah, that was the only middle school in our area. We had a small, little, tiny elementary school that we would go to. That country kids would go to, um, and then in middle school we had to, you know, bus into the big, bigger school, and um, that's where I met. Scotty Smiley. I tell my three boys today, I say, you better be the nicest boys in junior high, because it was really a shocker for a small town country girl (laughs) to get busted. And everyone was so mean. And sixth grade was so awful. But there was one person who was super nice. And it was Scotty Smiley, um, who ended up becoming my husband. Uh, But we were just friends in junior high and, um, you know, played sports. I started getting into sports and, um, you know, really sports propelled sort of like my, my ambition and my drive. I loved being a part of teams. Um, I, you know, I loved uh, winning, losing all of it, you know, learning how to work together well with others. And, um, so when I graduated, Scotty went on to the United States military Academy and I, I went into nursing school. There was no question what I was going to do with my life. So that was sort of the path I, I took. And it's funny because, you know, growing up, I rodeoed, I, I would, you know, do barrel racing and pole bending. And my dad always said, you know, I'll take you to ranch and home, which was this local, you know, you could get anything from the ranch to the home. And uh, he said, I'll take you there. I'll buy you any boots you want. But I, I was more more involved in sports and, and kind kind of going down that path, um, which, you know, I'm super grateful for those experiences.
1: Yeah, totally. So, your husband Scotty goes off to the military. And this is where your, your story gets incredibly interesting because you face challenges soon thereafter.
3: Yes. You know, our life it it totally turned. Um, it it actually blew up into a million pieces. In some ways, I, you know, night na- the farm girl got off the farm and I naively thought, you know, that I was really living and had achieved. Um, the American dream. I, I was a nurse, had my bachelor's in science in nursing. I had married Scotty Smiley, my high school sweetheart, who was a newly commissioned officer from the United States Military Academy. Um, he was an officer. I was a nurse. My new last name was Smiley. It, it's like it doesn't get you know very much more American dreamish than that. I mean, that, that was it. And um, shortly after we were married, he deployed to Iraq, Mosul, Iraq, for over a year long deployment. Um, and that is when, you know, that was 2000, 2004, 2005, some of the heaviest fighting that we saw in Iraq during that time. Um, so it was a really, really hard deployment. We lost dear friends. Um, you know, I was home working as a nurse and then, you know, helping my it is awful too many funerals um, too many horrible phone calls and on April 6th of 2005 that became a reality uh, for both Scotty and, and I um, April 6th of 2005 changed everything. I was awoken out of bed by a phone call. Um, I was excited because Scotty would call at different times you know you never knew when they were going to call um, and I excitedly answered it before my nursing shift but it was someone else's voice on the other end of the line that, began to describe, you know, the most horrific news. I'll, I'll never forget. He it's, it was Scotty's company commander. And he said, he just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was trying to process what are you talking about? He, and he, and he finally said one thing I know, Tiffany is, is Scotty. will never see again. He said he he came face to face with this suicide car bomb and the shrapnel um, took out both of his eyes. He said, yeah. there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, the other thing we're not sure of is if he'll survive. Um, he said he flatlined several times. Ugh. We've loaded him on a Black Hawk helicopter. And hopefully someone calls you from Balad, Iraq. So that that was the day that changed everything. That is the day that is the reason that I'm running for United States Senate today. Yeah. Um, you know, at 20, well, yeah, at 23 years journey, old.
1: Right? As yes. A, so your your, yes. your story is, is basically about from that moment, until as far as you can go, trying to help Scotty beat the odds.
3: That's right. And,
1: and that's when you're, I think you're, it sounds to me from your story, your your full potential of public service and 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 working to help people sort of came to the forefront.
3: Absolutely. You know, it's not the nursing career um, I thought I was going to have, but in many regards, I would say, thank God I was a nurse. You know, I walked into Scotty's trauma care unit at 23 years old. I had student loan debt. I had a car payment. Um, and I just resigned from my nursing job. I knew this was, this was going to be a lifelong, you know, challenge for us. I, I knew my, my career had to go on hold. Um, but thank god i was a nurse because i could navigate that system you know i'm a i'm a educated trained advocate that's what nurses are best at and um scotty didn't have a voice you know i walked into his room and he was he was in a coma he was paralyzed on the right side of his body and he had no eyes um and the army was very swift and quick to begin his medical retirement and I had a lot of questions. I, you know, was able to build a coalition and take on the army and and ask for a better way, ask for something better for our catastrophically injured veterans and their families. And ultimately, Scotty, you know, built a coalition that believed in this vision as well. And Scotty went on and became the first blind active duty officer to continue service to our country. Um, something that it had never been done before. You know, in, in some regards, they looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, Mrs. Smiley, there has never been someone blind to continue service. Like sign the paperwork, give it up, you know, like, right. You're not going to win the fight.
1: <laughs> and here you are tw- 23 years old, right? Like fresh off the farm, although you have yeah. a nursing degree, I'm sure they looked at you like, okay, that's sweet. I understand that you're disappointed, yes. but it is what yep. it is. And you just said, exactly. not, not on my watch.
3: That's right. That's right. Um, I was able to be a voice for Scotty um, when he didn't have one. And not only that, it sort of changed the trajectory of the army and how they treated and looked at our catastrophically injured veterans and their families. And, you know, we served a whole another decade. So when people say, wow, th- you know, this is such a big jump getting into the Senate, Tiffany, like, Whoa! You know, are you sure that you have the energy to take on Patty Murray? Um, I always say I moved eight times in ten years with a blind husband and toddlers, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure I have the that energy is, to do this.
1: That deserves a medal in and of itself. That I can't even imagine that.
3: <laughs> a lot of experiences. Let's just say that.
1: That's incredible. So, I mean, look, this, this alone, right. If, if that alone was your life's accomplishment, it would have been far exceeding basically what anybody else has done, but you decide at some point to start kind of getting into politics. I mean, this is obviously your first run. When did you first sort of understand and and feel like you could give something in this arena as well?
3: Honestly, so it was 17 years ago when I walked into Scotty's room and I realized right. realized the fight that was ahead of us. Um, although politics wasn't on my mind at all, you know, during that time. I was just actively working to make a difference. It was the nurse in me, right? Like, we have to make this right. We have to make this right. I'll do anything I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I was always knocking on doors and advocating and going to Capitol Hill, any opportunity I had to share about ways that we could better, you know, serve our service members and their families. And really, you know, I would say when Scotty went to transition and retire as a senior major in the military and came up to the VA system. Um, And I saw again, it was like, once again, it was like April 6, 2005, all over again, but now with the VA system. And, um, you know, Scotty was so frustrated. He said, Tiffany, I'm not even going to go through with this. I I just want to move on with my life. And I said, no, we have to take this fight on because there's thousands of others that are having to go through this as well. And perhaps they don't have a nurse by their side helping them. Um, So I took on the VA fight and I think that's when it really started to change for me because I realized as you know, this was in my volunteer time, this was absolutely just doing what's right. I realized, wow, we so much. And if you can move the needle as, as a volunteer, as an activist in this country, how much more could we do if we are, if you know, if I'm elected, if I'm in the Senate, if I'm doing this as a job, you know, and looking at it from a holistic perspective of the policies and the people that you can work with to move the needle. And not only that, actually deliver results, deliver results for the end customer, and whether that's the American people or our veterans, that's what our country needs. And I, I saw the inside workings of that. And in some regard, we, we were successful. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of work to do And I think that's what motivates me and motivates our family to continue this fight, because, you know, Scotty and I, we want to know that in 10, 20 years that our three boys have a country that's worth losing their eyesight for. And if if I don't get into this fight, I I don't know that we do. I I know Patty Murray's certainly not leading us in that direction. Um, She's destroying Washington state.
1: (laughs) No kidding. I mean, it's it's. First of all, you're, you're sort of a perfect candidate in a lot of regards, and that you genuinely care, which is why you're doing it, right? I mean, I'm sure you have got better things to do with your time than, than go out and have everybody tell you why it is that you can't win. But now that you're in this, you, you've got, you widen the aperture to face not only the issues that you've dealt with so heroically over the last 17 years, but now you're dealing with everything from inflation and and the economy to immigration to, I mean, you name it. And we still have, you know, huge concerns and with our armed services and veterans and everything else. It, what is that like then transitioning from this, this fight that you've been in to all of a sudden meeting with and talking with voters who have their own fights on their hands?
3: Well, you know, I, I really believe we've been so successful in this campaign because I can relate to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been in the trenches that they've been in. I've had to fight hard battles, you know. I built a business from the ground up that was an incredible resource uh, for our family. And we felt the effects when we were shut down and during COVID and, you know, I'm, I can relate to people in a really real way. And that's what people are looking to, especially in this cycle is, you know, Patty Murray is completely out of touch. You know, has she ever run a business? Has she ever really, you know, certainly didn't serve our country in, in public service? Sure. If you want to call it that. But where's her connection with the people? You know, she went on the Senate floor in June of 2020 and asked for police funds to be diverted yeah. um, away, away from our police force. I mean, Our city is being destroyed. We're understaffed in our policing in Seattle. We have the most cars stolen on record. I mean, this isn't just Seattle. This is all across Washington. So when I get out and I'm talking with people, they're looking at me and they're like, I I trust you. Like, you actually care. Um, you've been where I've been. And I want to have hope that I can get out of this. I want to have hope that there's a a better future ahead. And Patty Murray is just not delivering that for Washington.
1: No question about it. I mean, you present such an incredible contrast with Patty. I don't know if there's anybody that's less relatable in the entire, less relatable government than Patty Murray. I mean, she is sort of the dictionary definition of the establishment Democrat that has inspired nothing but it's just a slide of of America and and Washington in particular. Look, she's presided over a whole bunch of jobs leaving the state. She's presided over rising crime, as you just said. Um, I have to imagine when you're looking at taking on a task this daunting, that you're sort of doing the math as you're doing it and where you have to go get votes. But like the King County area, is not just Seattle, right? I mean there's like a lot of suburban votes there right. that I imagine yes. you're finding an awful lot of people who are interested in you and your story.
3: You are absolutely correct. And and I do want to make a note as well that this last November, um Seattle elected a Republican city attorney. Yeah. So so, so that alone shows something is shifting and I certainly, you know, I'm screaming it from the mountaintops that I know something is shifting. Um, but it was interesting after my first quarter of fundraising, of course, my my made most of my donations came from my Benton in Franklin County area. And second was King County.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, I believe it. I believe it. So I mean, it look, that's yes. a that's a demographic there of people who, you know, they're higher educated, higher income, uh, suburban type folks. But they're also no up from down when it comes to things like the economy. Right. And and what these folks are doing, what Patty Murray is sort of blindly leading people into is a disaster for folks like that.
3: Yes. And, and they're seeing it every day. You know, I always say our our family certainly felt the pains of bad policy. But what a great country that we have that we can you know advocate and and change it and make it better for others but people in washington state today are opening their door and experiencing bad policy every single day you know the american people shouldn't have to do that when they wake up in the morning is feel the pain of bad policy they should feel the freedom of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness um and and that's what i'm fighting for for washington families um i like it a lot you know it's heartbreaking yeah
1: the, the the state is interesting, right? Because it's what I always described it. It was like Berkeley and then Idaho, right? And and you're like <laughs> from the Idaho part. I imagine when you get out to Spokane and you're out around the western or the eastern part of the state, you're, you're greeted with a hero's welcome.
3: Oh yes, and, and honestly, those are my people. But I always tell them, um, I say, I-, I need you. You're key. And when I come back, I want you to have five or ten more people with you. Yes. Um, and what's awesome yes. is, you know, I've done a full circuit of, of all counties. I've been in, in all 39 counties multiple times. Um, but it's awesome. This second round, there's more and more and more people. They are my people, um, and and they're energized. I need I need that their intensity. To, I need them to get, you know, their neighbors and their friends to come out and vote. And and that's what we're focused on, on the the eastern side of the state. And not only that, I have an incredible husband who champions me. He was actually the one kicking me out the door saying, Tiffany, you're the fighter. If there's anyone to beat Patty Murray, it's you. You have to go do this. Um, And he's just an incredible surrogate for me. I mean, who's going to tell somebody no? I'm not going to get off my couch and (laughs) vote.
1: No kidding, right? It's quite a love story that you have there, and it's quite a story that you have all the way that's led you to this point. Um, So, where do things stand? Are you are you sort of when you look at the end of April, 2022, the trajectory that you're on? Are you going to get this done?
3: We're going to get this done. Um, We couldn't be in a better position. Um, You know, growing up playing sports, I I use those analogies in a lot of you know team building and and everything that I do. And we're on offense. We're we're in a really really great position. Um, We we have the grassroots movement behind us. Um, You know, I've earned the endorsement of many of the county parties and the state party came out in August and endorsed me and got behind me something that they haven't done in decades, if ever. Um, so there's, you know, I've been able to keep the path clear, which is new for Washington. It's like, we have to do something different here to get a different result. So we've been able to keep the path clear. I've raised $4.5 million. That's what we're at right now. Um, a lot more to raise, of course, but, but it's a good place to be. I out-fundraised Patty Murray last quarter. Yeah. Um. So we are, uh, Yes. And in January, CrossCut Elway poll, which is sort of the gold standard here in Washington, had Patty Murray at 42, generic Republican at 39. Wow. It's only three wow. points. Um, and then, of course, I, I'm sure you saw the, the crystal ball moved the rating um, in this state. So likely, I anticipate that will continue to move. We're, you know, in February, I started doing volunteer trainings in Snohomish, Pierce, and King County. So I already have folks out there on the ground, knocking doors, um, making phone calls. Um, RNC, NRSC is already d- dedicated field staff and setting up a victory operation. So we're in a really, really great place. But, of course, it's pedal to the metal. I mean, the we're getting to, to game time now, you know, we've sort of been training, practicing, hitting all of our marks and, and now we're getting into game time. But we're in a really, really good position. I'm excited. Yeah. I am really excited because I have great hope for this state. This is an incredible state. Um, we're just underrepresented.
1: Yeah, We nope, should be I leading can't.
3: the country in a lot of areas.
1: Awesome. I, I so so look. I want to get to the three questions, but I, I think what I've always said about a campaign, particularly one that's not expected to be close and becomes that quickly, is that you can always tell the momentum yeah. of who looks like they're having fun, right? Patty Murray is <laughs> physically incapable of looking like she's having fun, and you present probably the biggest contrast I've ever seen between two candidates in that regard. So I think you got something going here.
3: Yeah, and you know I have a great team. I have to say, I, I'm not doing this alone. I have an incredible team that's behind me, that's committed, that's loyal to this mission. Um, and I think that's key as well.
1: No question about it. All right. I got three questions for you. And for a farm girl, I'm, I'm actually very interested in, in number one. Um, first question is, if you could plan your last meal on earth, what would it be?
3: So this is hard for me. Um,
1: God, for every farm girl, it's a hard question. That's why I was interested in it.
3: Probably want me to say a steak, which <laughs> when I got busted into the city school, I did. I had to teach my friends, you know, that a steer is different than a bull. And the steak that you eat is from a steer. <laughs> I <Right. laughs> don't know how to go into that. But
1: <laughs> Thanks.
3: Um, I would say <laughs> Washington state has, and I, uh, this is one of my favorite foods and washington state has some of the best oysters in the country oh no and you know i think there's a limited amount of oysters i think that you're supposed to eat before you get to toxicity so my last meal would be as many oysters as i can eat i grill them i make a really good oysters rockefeller Um, south bend is the oyster capital of the world right here in washington state and jose cook's on this grill outside, I've been there. It was the best oyster. I would invite him over. I'd have um, Taylor fish, uh, shellfish come over, Hamahama oysters come over, and we would do a big oyster cookout. And, and I would eat as many oysters. Yeah, it um, toxicity as I could. That's that's said, bit-
1: it matters not, right? Cause it's the last <laughs> that's one. Right.
3: That's right.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's a really good answer. All right. So here's a, another interesting question for you who's dedicated so much of your adult life to to fighting one mission um if you'd ever that never happened if that never sort of was a part of your life and you had this big sort of open hole of blue sky that you can pick whatever it is that you wanted to do with your life what would that be you
3: know it i always say if i if if i lived another life i think i would be a cowgirl
1: um i think i'd be a
3: yeah, well, I, that's I what really your dad did.
1: wanted, right? That's what your dad wanted.
3: <laughs> I always wondered, you know, could I be that girl who, you know, the NFR world champion bull or barrel racer, um, I, I, with the big belt buckle, you know, walking around? Um, there's freedom you can, on you a can horse. Bring that
1: to, yeah, you could bring that to like international stardom, Tiffany. That that if you would have gone that route, that would have been a bigger deal.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. And a lot of fun
1: too. Yeah. All right. All right. So here's the third question. And you got to follow me on this one because it's a little difficult to explain. Uh, the way we see it, everybody's motivated by one of two things the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. And the thrill of victory people are kind of the sunny optimists aren't always charging up the hill towards an accomplishment, they're just sort of optimistic people. The agony of defeat people are people whose every setback that they've ever had in life is what drives them. Their, every accomplishment, it lasts like two seconds and they're just on to the next. But the, the problems that they've had, they just carry like a backpack throughout their entire life, vowing never to repeat it or to change or, or to do whatever. And that's what drives them. Where do you find yourself?
3: The agony of defeat drives me. I can see that. completely. I mean, yeah.
1: I, I, yeah, that, I even asked that me. seems I could have guessed that before you even came on just really? reading your story. I could have guessed. Well, you know, we've done like 150 of these, right? So I kind of get a good psychoanalysis <laughs> of like oh everybody you got we it. have on. It's yeah. <laughs> smile, it's smiley, which you are, uh, and optimistic as you are, <laughs> you seem very much like an agony of defeat person.
3: Yes, absolutely. Fail- failure is not an option and um it it drives me, it, it pushes me. Um, to be the best, to always, always be better. And, um, you know, it's, I I think failures propel us to greatness. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly that's been my life story, not the story I probably would have written, but was made for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Tiffany, tell us and all of our listeners where we can go to help you out.
3: Yes. Join us at smileyforwashington.com, all spelled out. You can sign up. You can you know, learn about what we're doing. This could very well be the seat that flips the Senate this cycle. Um, nothing is impossible. And um, I, I know the power of coming together, building coalitions and working with others. So come join us, smileyforwashington.com.
1: That's awesome. Listen, this is one of the real feel-good stories of the year in politics. Tiffany Smiley, we're going to be following you throughout if you find yourself in Washington, D.C. for meetings or whatever, we'd love to have awesome. you in studio and follow awesome. up and see how your race is going.
3: I would love that. I will let you know for sure. Thank you so much for you having bet. me on. Take care. You too.
1: So listen, I think that, the, I mean, look, our audio is a little choppy because we we're doing over Zoom, uh, but but you got the gist of it. She is just an absolutely incredible human being, right, regardless of what you think about Politics or whatever. This is a person who is to be admired no matter what. But in the context of politics, there is nobody that I've ever seen that draws a greater contrast with their opponent in the right cycle than than she does. Right. I mean, it's really quite stunning. This is a a an incredibly like optimistic, smart, driven person with a resume of success who like you want to be around. And opposed to Patty Murray.
4: Right. There are a lot of thinking people in Washington. I mean, we, we you know, Republicans tend to just write off the state as a liberal state. Democrats are going to win it. This state has a lot more thinking people than than anybody would know. We can win there,
0: dude. I mean, in we an got environment cl- like this. We got close in 2010. You know, we got close in 2010 in some of these places like Washington. Yeah. You know, I mean, I look. This is the year for it.
2: And especially when you have a situation where Dems are like, okay, Americans are struggling, let's raise their taxes. I mean, we really have a huge opportunity, and I think we can make it happen.
1: Yeah, check out our webpage, see what you think. Uh, We should help her out if we can.
2: So I got to say, absolute banger of an episode. I mean, it really was. I was like a 10 (laughs) out of 10, start to finish.
1: Going to get a lot of letters out of this one. Incredible.
2: Oh, yeah. So until next time, minions, keep the faith hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.